Thank you, Otsile. Coming up, of course, in this hour, President Jacob Zuma today opened the 59th Commonwealth Parliamentary Conference-themed Effective Solutions to Commonwealth Development Challenges. And as you heard, U.S. President launched, uh, Barack Obama launched an emotive and strong argument to a skeptical Congress outlining the case for a military attack on Syria. The Oliver and Adelaide Trumbull Foundation, in partnership with SAFM, invites you to join the third annual Oliver and Adelaide Trumbull Liberation Walk on the 5th of October 2013. This year's theme is 10,000 Feet United for Education. Enter the 5, 10 or 21 kilometer walk as we honor these struggle heroes. Entertainment for kids and family will be provided too. For more information, visit tumboliberationwalk.co.za. Join us as we walk to educate. With ever-increasing day-to-day expenses such as petrol and electricity, an extra 500 rand goes a long way. This spring, Specsavers is helping you save by giving you 500 rand off the combined cost of your eye test or frame or lens add-on. That's right, 500 rand off. Simply purchase an eye test and prescription spectacles. Promotion valid until 31 October 2013. Specsavers, for affordable eye care and a whole lot more. T's and C's apply. The 59th International Conference of the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association is currently underway at the Santon Convention Centre in Johannesburg. It is the first time that the conference is being held on South African soil. The conference brings together parliamentarians from 54 Commonwealth countries with a mission to promote the advancement of parliamentary democracy. The theme of the conference is Effective Solutions for Commonwealth Developmental Challenges. President Jacob Zuma officially opened the conference this morning, and here's an extract from his speech. Your Excellencies, honoured guests, we have good reason to be happy to host you as South Africans. We do not take democracy and the protection and promotion thereof lightly in South Africa. Our country went through three centuries of colonial rule, and the vicious system of apartheid. When you obtained our freedom in 1994, we vowed that we would never go back to any system of government that would suppress human rights and freedoms we had fought so hard to obtain. Our global icon and founding president of our democracy his Excellency Nelson Mandela stated on our, on our behalf as follows in his inauguration address in 1994, and I quote, Never, never and never again shall it be that this beautiful land will again experience the oppression of one by another and suffer the indignity of being the skunk of the world. Let freedom reign. The sun shall never set on so glorious a human achievement. Unquote. Indeed, we shall never let the sun set on our glorious achievement. We are thus always ready to protect, promote, and defend our democracy and all institutions of democracy, including Parliament. We value 
the progress we have made, we value the achievements we have scored in only 20 years. South Africa is a much better place now than it was before 1994. And that was President Jacob Zuma with the opening speech. Now, to get a perspective on this and to look at the importance of the Commonwealth Parliament, uh, Parliament Association, we are joined on the line by Keith Gottschalk from the University of the Western Cape. Keith, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to all you listeners. Keith, okay, firstly, let's look at the Commonwealth Parliament Association, or the CPA, as one might call it. What is its significance? It's, of course, to support parliaments and to help MPs give strength to each other, to exchange ideas, to discuss problems they faced and what are the best solutions. So everybody will be exchanging their experiences from our parliament, Nigeria, uh, Ghana's parliament, and of course Canada and Australia as well. What is the essential difference between this body and the Commonwealth mother, bo the mother body? The Commonwealth is an association of countries, that is of governments, who meet to discuss a whole range of issues. There might be economic policy, it might be scholarships or other things, whereas, of course, the Parliamentary Association is concerned solely with parliaments and its members are ordinary members of parliament, probably those from the Foreign Affairs Portfolio Committees. Mm -hmm. Now, how do the discussions and decisions taken here impact on the Commonwealth member states as such? Parliamentarians will be talking to each other about problems that they faced in their country and how their parliament may become more efficient in keeping oversight over government mistakes or government failures to carry out duties and pass on tips about what to work best for their country so that MPs from, say, South Africa or Tanzania can see if this can be adopted by their own parliaments. And, of course, in other ways, uh, South Africa has taken the lead with about four-tenths of our MPs being women, and there we set an example to encourage others to follow. Mm. Are these decisions or deliberations binding on each member state? No, only uh, a parliament itself, of course, has the authority to make laws or to ratify treaties that are binding on countries. This is simply an association of MPs, and like any other club or society, it hasn't got any binding powers. It's a, thing, it's a forum where people network, make new contacts, discover new ideas, get alerted to problems to avoid. Now, looking at uh, President Jacob Zuma's opening speech, what do you make of it? It first of all just reminded all of us that when we've had to live in a police state, we don't take parliamentary democracy for granted, but we really appreciate and treasure the value of parliamentarianism. And he also made one or two uh, comments about Syria, about that world power should respect the United Nations and the rule of law, and uh, not to act unilaterally. 
Now, Keith, you'll stay with us. That's Mr. Gottschalt. He will stay with us uh, for the remainder of the, of the uh, for, for, for the next half an hour, and uh, and we will also then talk to the president of the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association. But first, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. If you love your sport, join me, Brad Brown, every Saturday and Sunday afternoon for SAFM Sports Special. Right here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. It is now 14 minutes past 12 o'clock. Our top story at this hour, messages of support are pouring in after the death of 10 people in a bus accident in the Ashore area in northern KwaZulu-Natal yesterday. Looking at the markets, gold is trading at $1,393.21 an ounce. Platinum is at $1,525.80 an ounce. The rand is trading at 10 rand and 20 cents against the US dollar, at 15 rand and 89 cents to the pound, and at 13 rand and 48 cents to the euro. Hi, I'm Valen Kirky. I'm a Shake the World Ambassador, which means that I support the eight millennium development goals set by the United Nations in 2000. Lime green, orange and dark green bees adorn my wrist because I support goal two, achieving primary education. Goal number three, promoting gender equality and empowering women. And goal seven, ensuring environmental sustainability. These are massive tasks which will need the energy of millions. My support is how I shake the world. How do you shake the world? Shake, shake. This is SAFM. Are you up to date with the world of property? For all things property, what are your rights as a property owner and or purchaser? Are you a tenant or the landlord and you need advice? What is the value of your investment in commercial property in South Africa? What matters are of importance in discussing land ownership? Trust us to simplify and help you understand the detail in all things property. Join me, Dineo Mulomo, every week on Tuesday morning on Morning Talk at 10.30. You asked for it, and now it's here. FAFM proudly presents the best of the African Connection Christian Wamba, the dance edition. Dance yourself silly in this compilation of the best dance numbers of the African Connection Christian Wamba, now available at reputable CD outlets. Seventeen minutes past twelve. Syria is warning that any U.S. military action on the alleged use of chemical weapons will amount to support of al-Qaeda and its affiliates. The Syrian Deputy Foreign Minister, uh, Faisal Magda, also said it was those armed groups supported by the United States, not the Syrian army, that had used the chemical weapons in the conflict. He made those comments in an interview with the BBC. Jeremy Bowen reports. It showed that uh, President Obama uh, was not deeply thinking of the consequences of uh, uh, the campaign he launched against Syria and his decision to attack Syria. Uh, yesterday he was more uh, thoughtful, and, uh, but this did not change anything since he is determined to 
launch uh, an attack or an aggression against Syria. This means destruction of the existing international system. And of course, this is not the first time the United States violates uh, the international system through the United Nations. It has repeatedly uh, uh, ignored the existence of an international system. We did not flout anything. In fact, it is the United States which is flouting all norms. Uh, chemical weapons uh, and agents were used by the armed groups who are supported by the United States, by Turkey, by Saudi Arabia, among others. When asked about the body of evidence found by the Americans in Syria after the alleged use of the chemical weapons, the Syrian Deputy Foreign Minister Faisal Megdad had this to say. More hatred for the Americans, more weakening of international institutions, uh, uh, terrorists will flourish, uh, terrorism will flourish everywhere. This will undermine the security of Americans inside and outside their country. Al-Qaeda is there. Any attack against Syria is support of Al-Qaeda and its affiliates. Minister Magdad warned the U.S. of the consequences if they go ahead and attack Syria. This body of evidence was shown before. <clears throat> I was there in the Security Council representing my country when we were non-permanent members of the council. When uh, Secretary Powell came and showed us this white uh, This was motel. 2003, just before the invasion of Iraq. Yes, but it was used to justify the invasion of Iraq. And a few months later, they found nothing in Iraq. And now they are repeating the same game. So you're saying the evidence the Americans are coming up with now is as flimsy as the evidence about Iraqi weapons of mass destruction in 2003? It is in not a flimsy. It is non-existing. I mean, they have seen this in, in videos on the Internet, which everybody can see. And they falsified facts. Uh, and, I mean, I wonder how can uh, President Obama or uh, Secretary Kerry believe what's, uh, what, what is being told to them by armed groups and not to believe the government of Syria. If we have used it, we, we would say we have used it. Uh, we believe uh, they should exercise wisdom. This is a difficult time. Uh, the history uh, will not uh, forgive those people who commit mistakes and who destroy other countries and who launch attacks to support terrorist organizations like Al-Qaeda in Syria. And that was the Syrian Deputy Foreign Minister Faisal Magdad. Brings the time now to 20 minutes past 12 o'clock. The 59th International Conference of the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association is currently underway at the Santon Convention Center in Johannesburg. It's the very first time that the conference is being held on African soil. Now, this afternoon, we are joined by the Deputy Speaker of the NSOP, Nomaindia Mafaketo, to tell us a little bit more. Uh, Deputy Speaker, good afternoon. Good afternoon and good afternoon to the listeners. As South Africa, how long have we been a member of the CPA? Well, since 1994, we, we rejoined. You'll remember we, the old South Africa was part of the establishment of CPA. And after that, at some stage, they were kicked out. So after a democratic South Africa 1994, we rejoined as a member of the Commonwealth. Now, what is the significance of South Africa hosting this event this year? Well, uh, you see, different countries volunteer to uh, host the conference. And it, it brings 
the, the Commonwealth uh, community, uh, plus minus 60 countries in their region. It's an opportunity to sell your country. It's an opportunity to boost tourism. Um, and it's an opportunity for, you know, for the focus in your country challenges by the whole uh, Commonwealth uh, community. And that is why we felt now with the New South Africa, it's important for us to host. What areas of interest will South Africa uh, be focusing on during this conference? Well, there are particular topics. And the general theme is that of the challenges facing uh, developmental, uh, you know, Commonwealth developmental countries. And we're seeking to, in, in the main, we're really seeking to come up with solution to uh, challenges that are similar to our challenges, that of poverty, unemployment, and, and all that is facing us. Um, because the, the problems, the challenges we're talking about in South Africa, uh, in particular the developing country uh, in the Commonwealth, are take, talking about the same problems. Now, President Jacob Zuma, in his opening speech, focused on peace and security, and I quote in his uh, speech, he says, at this, ju- uh, at this juncture, we cast our eyes towards the Syrian and Arab Republic, which is yes. the center of world attention at this point in time, and we trust that the United Nations will be respected as the only authority that can intervene militarily in any country, and only if all other uh, avenues have been exhausted, close quote. Now, that's a very strong statement. Yes. Yes. Yes, it's a strong statement, and well, it, it, it's also a good statement because yeah, we represent many many countries that are part of the Commonwealth. Uh, definitely, we can't miss the opportunity, as he said, we can't miss the opportunity as Commonwealth uh, uh, countries to pronounce or to suggest a way that is not going to cost that country, more lives. And I'm sure in our deliberations, that is one of the issues we are going to be talking about. Now, we understand that any decisions or deliberations taken by the conference are not really binding on the member states. Uh, what is the point of all this then? Well, it is a community of Commonwealth countries. Uh, seek to influence uh, what countries are doing, you might say they are not as binding as many, many other international forums. Uh, Because even United Nations uh, decisions at times, if countries don't want to be binded, that they would do uh, something different. So for us, it's really sharing good practices, good governing system uh, for those willing countries to copy from others and and to learn best practices from each and every, from other countries. Uh, I don't think the fact that it's not binding. We, we, we can, there are very, very few international um, organizations that would have binding uh, uh, factors into any resolution because 
again, each country has its own policies and its own approach. It becomes very difficult to take a decision and to say it's binding. But I can assure you, most of the decisions that we've taken uh, influence different countries and, and we've seen the change. We've seen the, the change even in the last few years we've been in the CPA, we're doing the same thing. And that's the Deputy Speaker of the NCOP, Noma Inden um, Fuketo, talking to us there. Now, we're joined on the line uh, by the uh, Commonwealth, uh, uh, Dr. William Shia, the Secretary General of the CPC Africa region. Uh, doctor, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, sir. Now, this is the 59th uh, conference, uh, or Commonwealth Parliamentarian Association conference. Many people would ask, the 59th, is, just, is, is this just another talk shop? No, this is not just a talk shop. As you know, the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association has been in existence for more than 100 years. And its duty is to facilitate the capacity building of parliamentarians in the Commonwealth and the parliamentary staff. Uh, giving capacity building is really to assist young parliamentarians, new parliamentarians, and the other veteran parliamentarians to know exactly how best to serve their people. So we carry out a number of activities, including such activities as this conference. So this is not just a talk shop. It is serious business. The theme is effective solutions to the Commonwealth Development Challenges. Talk to us about that theme. Yes. We have selected this year through our branches all over the Commonwealth with the 54 countries that we have and more than 180 branches uh, all over the Commonwealth. We have selected this uh, theme in order to highlight the challenges that are there in various countries that have to do with, that has to, uh, topics that have to do with the poverty alleviation and other uh, requirements of the Millennium Development Goals. So this discussion is going to enrich the members, how they exchange and how indeed they would wish to put forward recommendations to as many people as possible in their public life. So this is really a timely debate. This is a timely theme in as far as the evaluation of development in the world is concerned. What sort of development challenges are we talking about, Doctor? We are talking about the basic needs of development. Education, uh, uh, we have uh, poverty alleviation, the provision of health services, the conduct of, uh, uh, of, of other sectors such as energy and so forth and so forth. These are the areas that make a difference in the living standards of people the water supply, for example, and other economic indicators. So we are talking about the ability of our societies to harness our resources for the benefit of the majority of our populations. So this is where the discussion is. And the challenge is indeed to bring in the various perspectives as to how best we can really make parliamentarians work for the benefit of the economic and social and political growth of our people in various countries.
And so says Dr. William Shia, the Secretary General of the CPC Africa region on the line at the 59th International Conference of the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association, currently underway at the Santon Convention Center in Johannesburg. That brings the time to 12.30 exactly. It's time for the news. Thank you, Otsile. It's time now to find out what's happening on Otherwise with Shadow Twilight. Shadow, good afternoon to you. We speak with Dr. Devi Rajab and we profile South African Indian women inspired by her book, Women South Africans of Indian Origin. That's Otherwise. Thank you, Shadow. We're sticking with our story, and that is the 59th International Conference of the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association, which is currently underway at the Santon Convention Center in Johannesburg. And earlier, uh, as you heard, uh, we had Keith Gottschalk on the line. He's back from the University of the Western Cape. Keith, uh, you heard several speakers there, but South Africa is the current president of, of the CPA. Should this mean anything? Keith, are you there? It seems like we have a disconnect uh, there with Keith uh, Gottschalk. We'll try and get him back on the line. Keith, can you hear me now? It seems like uh, we've lost him there for a second, but uh, we'll try and get him back on the line to discuss the issue uh, of uh, the CPA currently on the way at the Santon Convention Center in Johannesburg. As you also heard, it's the very first time that the conference is being held on South African soil, and it, do, uh, it does bring together a number of parliamentarians from 54 Commonwealth countries with a mission, really, to promote the advancement of parliamentary, uh, parliamentary democracy. Uh, the theme of this conference is effective solutions for com- Commonwealth development challenges. It's really looking for African solutions uh, to uh, African problems, it seems. And uh, we're going to try and get Keith back. It seems like uh, Keith is back. Keith, uh, now South Africa is the current president of the CPA. Should this mean anything for us? Keith, are you there? Yes. Yes. Did you hear me? Uh, sorry, just repeat yeah. the question. It, the, the question is, South Africa is the, the current president of the CPA, if I understand it correctly, uh, or, or uh, should this mean anything for South Africa? Certainly, the more links South Africa builds with influential international groups, such as the Commonwealth, and of course our fellow countries in Africa, the better for spreading our countries influence and prestige and ideas. Mm-hmm. What should South Africa be focusing on or highlighted or highlight in at this uh, uh, particular conference on that agenda? I noticed that the President's prepared text of his speech sounded the alarm about a world power taking unilateral action to attack Syria and emphasized that the international rule of law requires that only actions authorized by the UN should be undertaken. And, of course, the Commonwealth, like the UN, is another multilateral body, and it's in the interest of little countries like South Africa to encourage the dominant global powers to only act in consultation with others and not on their own. So that's certainly one clear thought in the President's mind and his staff. Mm-hmm. Keith, should we as a country and a continent take this conference serious? The Commonwealth is indeed a venerable organization and as one of your earlier guests said, even the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association is now more than a century old. 
And, of course, when <clears throat> the conference is over, the MPs fly back to their home parliaments and they'll raise both from the floor of the House and also inside their own party caucuses all the important things discussed here. So those parliaments and countries will continue to raise the issues that are being discussed right now in Santon. Now, they're looking for African solutions during this particular conference, but what about the other African countries that are not members? There's a whole lot of interweaving networks. So, of course, some of the most important African countries with the biggest economies are members of the Commonwealth, such as ourselves, Nigeria, Kenya, and Tanzania, of course, come to mind. Then the other African countries will be members, like ourselves, of the African Parliamentary Union, another body of parliamentarians, and in the AU and all its different institutions, uh, the Southern African Development Community and other affiliates. So the, our ideas and the ideas of the Commonwealth MPs will filter through those channels into honorable members in other African countries. And so see, says uh, Keith Gottschalk from the University of the Western Cape on the line to us talking about the Commonwealth uh, Parliament Association, that conference underway in Santon. It is now 12.36. You're listening to Midday Live right here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Anglo-American Platinum has issued notices of uh, retrenchments to more than 3,000 mine workers uh, at its uh, Komonani and uh, Kulaseka shafts in Rustenburg. This as they put in motion their plans to restructure the company. The mine says it aims to create a sustainable, competitive and profitable business. Rival unions NUM and AMCU are still unhappy despite a large reduction in the number of retrenchments. Joining us on the line now um, is uh, a mine worker. Um, in fact, we're not going to speak to the mine worker. Uh, we're speaking to our, in fact, we're going back to our mine worker, Godfrey Landani. Godfrey, good afternoon to you. Uh, good day, how are you, sir? Very well, Godfrey. Have you or your co-workers received any communication from the company on uh, who is being retrenched? Yes, my colleagues have received letters from the company that they are being retrenched today. Mm, how many? Uh, approximately 600 of them, they have received letters today in my shaft at Komanani. I don't know at Kuselek how many did they receive. How are you feeling about the move by the mine to retrench people? Hey, the feeling is that the motion is down. We don't know what's happening because we are having a problem of workers losing jobs in in, in the whole world, but the, in the in the whole South Africa now it's going to be more the way they are doing things. And what they are saying is that the workers tomorrow they need to go to the hospitals for the medicals to to go and make medical aid. Everyone is unhappy about that. Even I, as a leader, am unhappy about what they they mentioned to the they've given to the workers today. Now, what next for you as a mine worker? I don't know. I'm confused here. I don't know where my future is because most of the workers that have got the retrenchment, their ages are at 20 to 25. It's the youth. We don't know what's happening. Most of them, their numbers are 800. They were new on the mining industry. We don't know what's going to happen to our future. And that uh, is a mine worker, uh, Godfrey Lindani. But now, uh, Godfrey, you said six, uh, six to eight hundred of your of your fellow uh, uh, colleagues have been have also received these letters. 
they have received the letters in their hands. Tomorrow they need to go to the hospital to make the medical exit. They are no longer working. The way they are think, doing, the, the way they are saying the things, they, those people are no longer working. They have been retrained. And the shops are still open. The shop is still open. We don't know what's happening. We see the, each and every day we see the the the, the, the renovations, the the. the Machines going underground, but they are saying that they, the shaft is going to be closed. Now it's quite confusing that they have said that they are going to close the shaft, but each and every day we see the the, the, the cars, the trucks, they come with the new materials to go underground. We don't know what that, what is happening. And that was a mine worker there, Godfrey Landani, calling uh, f- uh, uh, from Rustenburg. The Komodani and Koloseka shafts in Rustenburg has been closed, as you just heard. That brings time now to 12.39. The manufacturing sector seems to be gaining momentum. In August, the seasonally adjusted Cajiso Purchasing Managers Index reached its highest level since 2007 to 56.5 points. This comes after GDP figures show that manufacturing, which contributes about 15% uh, to the country's economy, grew substantially in the second quarter. All of the major PMI subcomponents improved, with the business activity and new sales order indices making the largest contribution to the overall increase. The employment, employment index surprises uh, on the upside, increasing to 51.2 points. Now, this is the first time since November 2012 that the index has uh, been in expansion territory. The rise in manufacturing in the second quarter was the highest since the first quarter of 2011. However, Chief Economist at First National Bank, Siswe Nkadlana, says the current strikes in the motor manufacturing industry could put the brakes on growth for the third quarter. The strike activity will definitely have a negative impact on the third quarter outcome. I think the magnitude of that impact will depend on how long the strikes last for. So to the extent that we um, can resolve them uh, quicker or sooner rather than later, uh, then the impact will be mitigated somewhat. But there definitely will be some sort of uh, negative impact in terms of sectoral output. And so we would not expected acceleration in GDP growth in the third quarter. And if you look for the last two quarters of the year, we think that it's unlikely for us to see GDP growth accelerating uh, for both quarters beyond 3%, which would present upside risk to our GDP forecast of just below 2% for the year as a whole. On the other hand, mining and quarrying did more than expected at 5.6% quarter-on-quarter. Last year, the sector lost around 15 billion rand due to industrial action. Violent strikes in the mining sector since last year have been a drag on economic growth and with strike action set to start uh, this Tuesday, this could spell trouble for the third quarter. Uh, growth figure, that is. It's now 12.51. Uh, 41. We are staying with uh, financial issues and we cross to the dealer room with Sadir Singh of Sussman Security. Sadir, good afternoon to you. Today's JSE report is brought to you by Telcom Business. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. So, Dave, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Alvin. Now, how are the markets looking at the start of a new week? Well, global markets uh, have opened mostly uh, stronger this morning. Um, This was on the back of upbeat manufacturing data, which has indicated the slowdown in China is dwindling. Over on Wall Street, uh, stocks closed uh, out August with losses on Friday as the possibility of uh, U.S.-led airstrikes against Syria grew. U.S. U.S. markets are closed uh, today for Labor Day. However, once traders get back to work, the focus will turn to the jobs report due later this week. 
Locally, the JSE has followed global markets higher this morning, with the platinum and the precious metal counters leading to leading the market to to the upside. In corporate news, Grinrod reported a 29% increase in headline earnings uh, per share this morning. However, their earnings per share fell 12%, and this was largely due to profit on the sale of uh, 35% of Maputo Coal Terminal in the previous period. Management did comment uh, that uh, it was a strong performance across the group for the period, and they are well positioned for further growth. Taking a look at our local indices, we've got the gold index, which is down just over 1%. Resource 10 index is up just over 1.5%. The industrial 25 index is up 0.8%. And the financial index is up just over 1%. Overall, the market is up around 474 points, or 1.1% to 42,702. Now tell us which stocks are on the move today. On the upside, we have uh, Anglo-American, which is up almost 4.5%, and uh, that's at 245 rands and 90 cents. Grinrod is up at just over 3% at 24 rands a share. Richmond is up almost 3% at 100 rands. Woolworths is up uh, just over 1.5% at 69 rands and 40 cents. And on the downside, we have MTN, which is down just over 2% at 184 rands. Anglo-Gold is down almost 2% at 137 rands and 60 cents. Mediclinic is down just over a half a percent at 73 rands and 30 cents. And lastly, we have Staffel, which is down 0.4% at 480 rands. Can you give us the latest indicators? Sure. Currently, we have gold, which is trading at $1,392.70 an ounce. Platinum is at $1,526.50 an ounce. Brand crude is at $114.20 per barrel. And finally, we have the rand, which is trading at 10 rand 20 cents to the dollar, 15 rand 90 cents to the pound, and 13 rand 50 cents to the euro. That's it from me, Elvis. That's Adir Singh from Susfan Securities. This feature was brought to you by Telcom Business. Talk to Telcom Business about getting you on the journey to convergence with a tailor-made solution. Telcom Business. Marilyn, please call and cancel my exercise therapy session with the calisthenics posture gait and lower lumbar vertebra specialist. The chiropractor, sir? Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Using several words when one will get the job done doesn't make sense. Neither does using several providers when you can get voice, mobile, fixed, data, cloud and IT from one service provider. Call 10217, click telcom.co.za forward slash business or visit a Telcom Direct store and get a tailor-made solution. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. It is now 12.45. Eastern Cape stakeholders, including religious leaders, political parties, Nahau and the business fraternity, are meeting at Imtata High School Stadium to discuss the crisis at the various campuses of Walter Sisulu University. This follows a protracted wage strike at the university, which has stopped all tuition for several weeks now and led to the closure of students' residences. Some students have refused to leave the varsity premises, arguing that they don't have money to go home. For more on this, we join on the line by our reporter, Nkululeko Nyembezi. Nkululeko, good afternoon to you. Yes, sir, good afternoon. Sunday, the Can you brief us on the situation at the varsity? Well, uh, this morning uh, we have seen uh, a, a huge number of people from uh, different uh, organizations uh, uh, converging to uh, um, the stadium where they are now discussing uh, the way of uh, the way forward and also uh, the reasons uh, the reasons that led to the closure of the university. So among them is the faith-based organizations, political parties, as well as South African Council of Churches who are now delivering their speeches, and later in the day, they will, be, uh, they will make deliberations on what will be the way forward uh, to resolve the impasse of uh, 
So they're still in discussions, so there's no outcome as yet. Yes, uh, for now they are just uh, uh, delivering their inputs to the, to, the, to the people because what was what is most important for the day was to get uh, the gist of uh, of what actually led to the closure of the university. After that, to now take a, a decision. But what I can say is that. Uh, uh, UTM leader Bandi Romisa uh, criticized the measure. Remember that uh, you remember that university uh, what is solely the matter of three uh, institutions that is the former UNITRA, UNK Tencon and Border Tencon. He says that this is the cause of the whole problem because uh, if maybe these uh, institutions were never merged, this would not be an, an issue at all. And also criticizing the independent uh, uh, administrator for using the uh, uh, consultants in running the institution. And he says that uh, if this uh, really can come to an end, maybe the situation can be better. We are also calling on uh, the presidency office as well as the uh, uh, higher education ministry to intervene in this case because the, the, the people who are very who are suffering the most here are the students. And those students are from the rural areas where uh, they, they are really, uh, in fact, they are from the disadvantaged areas. What is going to happen now to those students who are unable to vacate the premises of the university? Well, you will remember now that uh, on Friday, uh, the, the, the other students, former students, made an application to the High Court of uh, High Court in Mtata, whereby they, where they were counteracting to the order which was issued by the university, uh, forcing them to vacate to the university. So for now, some of them, they just uh, resisted. They resisted. Uh, to vacate the university, as well as those uh, students who are from uh, other countries like uh, Zimbabwe, Angola, as well as uh, Swaziland. So they are still there. But we understand that even at a bigger campus in Butterworth, uh, they, they, they never uh, vacated the institution, uh, claiming that they have, they, they, they have no place to go. So they will remain in the institution up until the matter is resolved. And that's our reporter on the line, Nkululeko Nyembezi. It is now 12.48. Ten people were killed while returning from the annual Zulu Reed Dawn Ceremony at Kwanangoma in northern KwaZulu-Natal yesterday. This after a bus ferrying the maidens overturned on the R66, killing seven maidens, two women and a bus driver. The Zulu royal family and the KZN provincial government sent their condolences to the families of the deceased. Messages of support are still pouring in for the bereaved families. For more on this, we are now joined on the line by KZN MEC for Transport, Community Safety and Liaison, Willis Mchunu. Mr. Mchunu, good afternoon to you. Uh, absolutely. MEC, are you there? Yes, I'm here. I'm, I'm saying good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. Has the cause of the accident been established yet? No, look, uh, we are still working on uh, all the processes that will uh, lead us to eventually establish what exactly happened. But at the present moment, uh, just in, uh, a, a rudimentary thing that is observed is that it's a very long curve, and therefore speed could also be a contributory factor. Because it's a steep uh, hill, but also quite a long curve, uh, and that is the area that is very dangerous to many drivers, especially those who are not very familiar with it. But nonetheless, <coughs> all of us are very saddened 
uh, and we have uh, conveyed our condolences. We are presently uh, we have conveyed, conveyed our condolences to both the king, who was the owner of the, the ceremony, uh, but also the MEC for arts and culture, uh, and the families. We are here with the families in a show uh, on the identification exercise. Uh, and we're planning to have uh, a series of events, one of them being a memorial service, probably, uh, but also a joint funeral, if that is possible, a joint funeral service. It's a very sad affair, mm. very, very sad thing. So will the department provide any assistance in burying the victims from government's perspective? Well, look, there is no other way. The policy is quite clear. The old accident fund... Uh, will be mobilized to assist the families, and that has been done already. As I'm here uh, with the families, we are here with the road accident fund people. But the department is also going to make sure that uh, the whatever is going to be agreed upon between the, the, the memorial service and the joint funeral uh, is carried out, and we will have to do it just like we do with all of these uh, accident of this nature where it's a real, real tragedy. Uh, so we'll treat it in that manner and we'll do our best uh, to control the families but to also meet them halfway uh, to see. Mm-hmm. Could this accident have yeah. been avoided, uh, MEC? There is no accident that mm-hmm. I believe cannot be avoided. Absolutely no accident. I, I, I'm still having to be convinced that there is an accident that is really an accident on our roads. The reason is that every time when we make investigations, one of the rules of the road has not been observed by the people who are in the driving seat. Only on a few occasions where you get a tire burst uh, when the vehicle is in its proper speed. But many a time when the tire bursts, it's when a vehicle is in a, an exceeding speed, and therefore it creates a disaster. And in this instance, I'm not ruling out a fault from uh, anybody between the bus and the driver. I've been assured, though, by the company that the bus uh, was in, uh, in good form, and I must now deal with the health department to establish uh, whether the condition of the driver is known, uh, because booze is also part of these things that create these problems. And I'm telling you, I, 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 I have been advertising for since last week about the amount of accidents that we have got in July and in August. Now we start September in this manner with 15 to 15 deaths on the first day of September. If you add others that are going to be coming, then it means that we'll have even more. More deaths, we are probably going to exceed 200. And I'm very concerned, really very, very concerned. I do think that our drivers on our roads have really lost it. I don't think they have consciences at all. I don't think they understand the crisis that they leave behind. To kill so many young children if uh, the, 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 the eventually we are proving that that is the fault of the driver. But to kill so many young children, maidens who have been trying to get their life together, is pathetic. I mean, 
families are grieving here. There are people that have been crying since, since, since last night. Uh-huh. And it's terrible, man. And if a driver who was responsible for this could just see, could just see the atmosphere, could see the reaction of the families, maybe people would change their minds. What did you uh, just... I mean, it seems like we've lost the MEC there. That uh, was uh, KZN MEC for Transport, Community Safety and Liaison, Willis Mchunu. That brings the time now to 12.55. Just a quick SMS here. This one uh, from William Shlongu says, uh, intervene in the CAR in the Congo. Why is it a problem if the U.S. intervenes in Syria? Mark to be arrested, uh, we liked him, was told that he stink at Sun City, says Tulani Sabande. These are some of your SMSs that came through. But right now, it's time for the World of Arts and Popular Culture with Michelle.